Hey guys, and welcome to The One Up Project. We're simplifying all things finance and lifestyle in a relaxed environment. It's all just a bit of fun, so be sure to keep listening and let the content be a catalyst for your own self-improvement. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the One Up Project podcast. Today I have Toby Pascoe with me who is first and foremost a property owner and investor himself with a keen passion for property um, and the positive impact that this investment can have on others. So you're also a career firefighter which is really interesting Um, and in this episode we're going to chat about why property is a good investment and I guess like the common thoughts around it. Um, You do have a blog and a platform where you discuss property news and data etc. So thanks so much for offering your time to be here today. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that blog and how it all got started for you? No worries. Hi Sarah and um, hi to all your viewers. So the blog sort of just come out of a passion that I have uh, for property uh, which has just grown over the years. So a little bit about myself. Um, I have recently become a qualified financial advisor or what used to be known as an authorised financial advisor Uh, and like you say, I'm a career firefighter. So while I, while I hold that qualification, um, I've been a career firefighter for eight years for foreign emergency, uh, which is a great job and um, something I really enjoy. And I, I work with a, a wide range of people. Um, I was thinking this morning, some days, depending on who's on the truck, we could actually probably build a house, um, which is always <laughs> quite interesting. There's a, a lot of guys with a lot of different skills. And I've been trying to convince my crew over the last few months that we should renovate a renovate a property and their time mm. off but uh, I'm not quite there yet <laughs> yeah basically I, I grew up in a family that just talked about property owned property um, I would subtly listen to my parents and grandparents talk about property uh, growing up uh, I remember watching my mother or my granddad uh, sitting in the lounge you know crunching numbers as I grow up and now, basically, I find myself doing the same thing, um, sitting around crunching numbers. Numbers, I quite like numbers. I'm a bit of a numbers geek, I guess. Um, for me, numbers numbers are real. They're quantitative. Um, they don't they don't lie. But yeah, we, we bought our first home at 21. Uh, so I'm originally from Invercargill. Oh. So before you give me any, any flack <laughs> over that, um, Invercargill really gave us the opportunity to, to get a property um, because obviously it's a lot more affordable than other parts of the country. So uh, we got on the property ladder early and we, we bought right before Invercargill prices actually doubled over the next six or seven years. Mm. Um, and so that, that really got us on the ladder early. And from there, uh, we were able to buy some land in a place called Tiana, which is just below Queenstown or Milford Sound, if um, people aren't sure. So we've since built our own home there and our Invercargill house became our first investment property. Not something I'd recommend for everyone is turning your own home into your first investment property, but it sort of worked for us at the time. Um, And then from there, we've added to our portfolio since. So uh, that's a little bit about our property. But how, I guess, to answer the, the main question, how the blog came about was I used to well, when we moved to Tiana, it's about a two-hour drive or an hour and a half drive for me uh, to work. And we do four days on, four days off. And so I have a little bit of time in the car. Uh, and I quite I quite often get asked, why would you do that? Why would you commute? Um, and basically, apart from the, the beautiful scenery, uh, in my job, there's sometimes a need for some downtime uh, mm-hmm. after work. You know, we, we do go to some interesting 
slash nasty calls. Uh, so it's provided that it's provided a little bit of time, you know, in the car to to have some downtime. But also, what ended up happening was I had to fill in that time, and I started listening to a lot of podcasts, a lot of uh, webinars in the in the car traveling, and it's quite a good time to actually learn. So I started to utilize that time to basically. Um, add to my knowledge about property, about investing, not just property, but also other investments. And I thought, you know, I'm hearing a lot of good stuff on these podcasts. I want other people to know, you know, what's being said. I want other people to have access to this. Um, And that's where the blog sort of came out of. So it started with a little bit of my own voice, and then I've just started adding links to other resources for, for people. I've been a little bit relaxed on the blog lately. I've recently just had a newborn son so that's oh congratulations up... <laughs> I didn't even know that yes that's so exciting <laughs> so that's taken up a little bit of my extra time yeah. but, um, <laughs> understandable yeah but all of that has led to other things like being a qualified financial advisor now and everything mm. like that so um, more to come in the future on that hopefully yeah definitely oh that's so exciting and really cool to hear an overview of your journey there obviously yeah got a lot of experience in property yourself, but also, um, you know, you've researched it a lot and it's something that you're genuinely passionate about and interested in, which I think is so important Mm. when helping to educate others, you know, because you really want to get across that data. And like you said, the numbers as well. Yeah. And I think everything can be born from a passion. Like I know you and I have talked about uh, university Mm. and we might be of a similar opinion. Um, My opinion anyway, is that, um, a degree is great and, and kudos to people that um, have degrees and work really hard at university to get the piece of paper. Uh, mm-hmm. I've studied a lot at university, like economics, business management, marketing, business law, social psychology, uh, but only because I'm interested in, in those topics, um, yeah. not because I've been working towards a single sort of degree. And the financial advisor certificate arrived the other day and my wife wanted to put it up on the fridge and (laughs) sort of tuck that away quietly. But um, to me, I'm more interested in those topics, not necessarily uh, for a gain at the other end of it, more just for my personal knowledge and and growth, I guess. Yeah. I think that's how like upskilling and educating yourself should be as well, you know, because I think a lot of the time the mindset behind going in to get a degree is, is for the piece of paper to come out with what you think will be like a guaranteed successful mm. career at the end of it. And it's not really the case, yeah. but if you go in with the intention of just learning about things that you're genuinely interested in, that will help you with whatever it is, you know, in the future, then I think you get a lot more out of it that way. Cause you're actually there with a purpose and a reason. Cool. I love that. So I, I think the first thing I really wanted to chat to you about was just straight off the bat, why would you want to invest in property at all? Like, what are your thoughts around that? I guess with property, it's basically it's bricks and mortar. So you can see it when you walk down the street, you can physically see it. So, um, you know, compared to shares, uh, you can see the share sitting in your account, but it could be gone overnight. And I'm actually an advocate for shares. I'm an advocate for property, for mm-hmm. all the asset classes. Uh, I think they all have their own place. I'm an advocate for cryptocurrency, for gold, for for anything. Uh, but for me, property is really tangible. You can you can physically see it. Um, and funny enough, it's actually one of the very few insurable assets. So if you think about it, if you uh, let's say you had $10,000 and you put it into shares, you can't insure those shares. So if they drop overnight or they the company collapses, you you, you can't get those shares back out. With property, uh, and I say this carefully, keeping Christchurch in the back of our minds, 
um, you if that building goes on fire, if it's fully insured, you've done everything you can um, in terms of you know what you've got to do for insurance, then you're covered. So it's an asset that uh, not 100%, but 99.9% uh, is fully insured. Property in New Zealand over the last 60 years has doubled on average every 10.5 years. It's really interesting, like at the moment, we're obviously going through a big boom phase in New Zealand. This boom was actually predicted for the last three or four years, not specifically 2020 2021, but it was sort of thought around this time that some cities would experience quite a lot of catch-up growth, uh, especially the likes of Auckland and Christchurch. Mm. So while the media or while we're all sort of looking at the property market and thinking, how can this be happening? It was actually sort of predicted a little bit. Um, you know, there were people in 1980 sitting saying property will never get to $100,000. And in 1991, it did. Now we're sitting here and saying property in Auckland or uh, Wellington will never get to $2 million. Um, people have been saying the same thing all the way along. Property generally over the long term is quite consistent. It is generally growing. And the thing we have to keep in mind with house price growth is 64% of Kiwis own their own home. And for them, that's their largest asset. So if you own a home now, and that's all you're going to own in terms of a large asset like that, you're going to rely on that home for retirement. So when you get to 70, 75, whatever it is, and you decide you might like to move into a retirement village, that home that you've owned for 40, 50 years is going to be the asset that gives you a retirement or pays for that retirement village. So I don't think we want to see house prices in New Zealand collapse. You know, As Jacinda says, it is the largest asset that people own. So I think we have to be really, really careful wanting house prices uh, to collapse. Um so what I like property is bricks and mortar. It is steady generally over the long term, and it's got quite a good solid history um, of remaining stable. So we've sort of covered a bit of this already, but why do you think people consider thinking of it as an asset? Why do they consider it a good investment? And lumping in another question there, do you believe that there are best assets to invest in? Yeah, I think with property investment, the main the main thing that property investment has going for it is uh, leverage. And I know we're going to talk about uh, leverage later on, and we can get into that um, more then. But basically, you're leveraging the value of your home to get uh, bigger returns. So um, it's it's one of the only asset classes that can be leveraged. It's one of the only asset classes that you can effectively take your own money, go to the bank. Uh, sell your story to the bank and the bank will give you you know, 80% of your value or 70% of your value depending on what you're purchasing. So I guess for most property investors, that's the big upside and that's why a lot of people will do it is that ability to accelerate your money. The property investment is a really, it's really a long-term investment. Shares, they're a mid to long-term investment. Cash is short-term for savings, etc. cetera. Uh, cryptocurrency, I haven't got, quite got my head around what that is yet. <laughs> it seems like it's a long-term, but some of the stuff we've seen lately uh, with cryptos is, could be short-term. Mm. Um, I guess the other side of property investment is, you come back from the money side of it, is you're providing accommodation for people. And I think this gets overlooked a little bit at the moment. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of landlords slamming at the moment. And don't get me wrong, there are some terrible landlords out there, and and that's not what we want to see in New Zealand. But most landlords are actually pretty good at what they do. And 
uh, not everyone can own their own home. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be some people that will never own a home. And that's that's disappointing for them. Um, but at the end of the day, they still need a roof over their head. So as a landlord, you're providing accommodation for people. In terms of best assets, I think everybody's situation is really different. What you might invest in would be completely different maybe to what I would invest in. And it depends what stage of life you are and and not just in terms of age but financial stage of life you know you might be 25 and but you've got an inheritance you know of a million dollars or something for example so what you're going to invest in is going to be different to what you or I might invest in yeah you've got all sorts of different assets within property like apartments versus houses doing a reno versus owning a townhouse um, the city that you own in everything like that so I don't think there's one clean answer but it just really depends on your situation and that's where it's really important to to get some advice do some learning yeah and is property something you know often with say shares or something where we talk about your risk profile and diversifying is diversification something that you can do in property and what's an example of that yeah, I quite often hear uh, the point that property is hard to diversify and say compared to shares where you might buy, for example, Ryman Healthcare, Spark, Tesla, Helmsteins, A2 Milk, and all of a sudden you're diversified a- across five different uh, types of industry. Mm. But property can actually be diversified quite a bit. For example, uh, a standalone house versus a townhouse or apartment. So they they typically give different returns. An apartment will generally be a little bit slower in capital growth versus a standalone house, which will be generally higher in capital growth. Um, you might have an Airbnb type setup versus student accommodation in Dunedin, or you might do a buy and hold long-term strategy versus the Brewer strategy, which is uh, buy, uh, renovate, rent, refinance, repeat. Mm. Um, So basically doing a reno and then holding on to it and and putting tenants in. Um, You might buy in Auckland versus Christchurch or Rotorua versus Invercargill, Stewart Island versus Chatham Islands, like wherever Mm -hmm. it is, that there in itself is diversification. And then deeper you've got the mortgage, so a floating loan, offset loan, revolving credit loan versus a fixed loan, uh, taking a one-year interest rate versus a five-year interest rate. It is property is one asset class, but it's actually hugely diversifiable against different types of risk or uh, economic change, which is the whole point of diversification. So while it's its own asset, you've got you can just spread so many ways within it. Yeah, I was just going to say that could be potentially a fear in some people's minds. So leading on from that, like what do you think are some common fears that hold people back from investing in property or in general? Yeah, this is where we get a little bit opinionated. This is uh, (laughs) my opinion. So I think we as humans don't know everything, right? None of us know absolutely everything there is to know. And I think um, people have very different levels of knowledge on different asset classes and especially property. So, and and that's absolutely fine. Um, But as humans, we don't, if we don't know something, a lot of us will or back away from that subject, or even yeah. back away from sort of learning about it. We even go, you know, we'll go as far as just ignoring anything anybody says. Mm-hmm. And we've all been there. You you try and tell me to uh, buy shares in A2 Milk right now, and I'm probably just going to shut off to that idea. Um, so 
I think if people aren't sure about the ins and outs of property, then they just shy away from it and aren't prepared to part ways with their money from it, um, which is fair enough if you think about it. You're not going to put money into something that you don't really understand. And the same with shares. The, the level of wealth that could be accumulated, say, over 30 years to retirement just by putting $20 aside each, so, each week um, into an index fund is massive. But because people aren't, some people aren't actually sure what an index fund is, they just won't do it and yep. they shut off to it. But if you look at the growth that you can have over that 30 years, it's absolutely massive. Mm. And the fund, the fund can get to a point where it's actually self-sustaining and you can withdraw from it each year and, and have an income for life, basically. There is a massive cost, I think, to that fear that some people have because if you're backing away from something, you're just using up time that you could be investing and putting a little bit aside. Uh, I think another point is that some people think that investing is for the rich. There's only a few ways to get rich if you think about it. So you could start a successful business, have a very well-paid job, win lotto or invest. Now, which of those four things is the easiest to start? When if you think about it, you can put as little as one cent into Hatch or Sharesies and purchase as little as 0.0001 of a share. Uh, so I would say investing is probably the easier of those four things to actually start doing. Having a, a well-paid job is really in, important, I guess, for some people, uh, and it definitely helps in terms of any investing. Uh, but when you can start for as little as one cent these days, uh, you know, I think it's really important that people just take that jump and, and do it. There's a real, probably a real stigma in New Zealand about talking about money and investing and this sort of word wealth. I think wealth scares some people. I think wealth thinks rich. But for me personally, I mean, we don't invest in property to get rich. We invest in property for long term, for freedom, for choices, for not having to worry about the bill that's coming in and, you know, going out of the account each week. Um, that's why we invest. It isn't to, you know, own flash cars or to... Um, to have money stored in, in vaults somewhere, you know, it, that's not what investing is about for us. It's about the future. I really love how you laid out the different ways to get rich as well because it shows in a clear, practical way that it's not that hard to understand. Like you've got the main options there that are likely and the easiest one mm. is just to start investing. And like you said, you can literally start with the smallest amount. It's not that difficult. Um, and that definitely plays into people's fears is the unknown and talking about money. If you feel uneducated, you therefore don't have the confidence to go forward and do anything. 2.8 million Kiwis already are investors and mm. they don't actually realize it. If you are in a job and you're paying into a Kiwi saver, which 2.8 million of us are, you're an investor. So yeah. sorry to break it to you. <laughs> you're, you're already an investor, but a yeah. lot of people aren't actually aware of what's going on with their Kiwi Savers. They, yeah. they, you know, you probably already are actually investing in property or in shares or gold or cash or, you know, who knows what. Yeah, exactly. And and also what you were saying around time, how you're missing out it kind of if you're not starting now, like time is going to be the greatest asset you have before investing. So that's why it's really important to try and get started on these things early. Um, and I guess – the next thing I wanted to chat about 
that is also a very much an opinion thing and that's the old debate of shares versus property and like the mindset around that so like why are people drawn to the share market do you think just pull on my psychology study a little bit here and <laughs> this might get a little bit hairy fairy so i apologize in advance no, good, but... love it. <laughs> i think i think with shares there can be a sense of achievement and and shares are really up and down and so the sense of achievement i think comes from seeing them go up you know on a daily basis and when they go up we all go oh we're the next warren buffett we're a great investor you know <laughs> our shares have gone up 10 percent this week and over a year they've tripled i mean if you'd invested let's just say a thousand dollars at the end of march last year um, you know during the 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 first big lockdown you would probably depending on what you invested in basically have two to three thousand dollars now because the share market uh dropped hugely and then went up so there'll be a lot of people who invested back then who are thinking this is me i'm i'm going to be the next warren buffett and that's that's great but there is a real sense of achievement that comes from that and a sense of winning and i think you don't get the same sense of winning from property uh, in the short gratification term. as well yeah eh? exactly yeah and that can be a generational thing as well um but property is a real patience game it is mm. a long-term game it hasn't felt like that over the last 12 months uh, literally every month when um you know we've been looking at our portfolio we've gone oh this is great house prices are going up but it's sort of got to the point where this is out of kilter they've, they've gone up 10 15 20 percent and it's it can't. It just can't keep going on like that. But there'll be a lot of property investors as well as um, you know, stock market investors who are going. Oh, I, this is a great game. I'm I'm a winner at property, but it's just been a unique sort of year. There's actually studies done uh, in human psychology that has showed basically the excitement humans get from seeing shares go up mm. and and having that sense of winning. It's almost like gambling in a way um do you know what's funny about that though is that like for the beginner investor and for someone who is investing for wealth growth it should be a long-term mindset but when you I guess go in and you get excited about it and see some growth and because you can see it instantaneously you're then yeah like you say think of the next Warren Buffett and keep going but but really, or well, in my opinion, the mindset should be that you are patient with your investments and doing it for long, a long-term growth. Mm. It, what a lot of Kiwis uh, our age, they have a huge opportunity, like we said before, to build long-term wealth. Mm. And there comes a point, basically, a call it the inflection point, where if you're investing, like we said, $20 or $50 out of your pay each week into a fund, there will come a point where that just exponentially grows because you've bought shares at a really low price and now that price has increased over say five or ten years and any gain from there is you know while it might be a five percent gain for the day could actually be a 20 percent gain for you Mm. and it's just exponentially growing and so you know shares have their absolute place they're they're vital uh, mainly through most kiwis will be in through kiwisaver and managed funds and everything like that Um, but i think when you see, let's say I put $100 into Tesla and one day they go up 10%, which has been happening lately. They'll go up one day 8%, fall the next day 10%, you know, up and down, up and down. When they go up, there'll be a lot of us who who have the psychology of, 
oh, this is brilliant. I've chosen the right stock here. So we put more money in. And the next day they go down. So what do we do? We panic and we take that money out. And then we've basically materialized that loss. That is very difficult to do with property. If property prices were to fall next year, which sorry, next month, which could happen, it's very difficult for us to go, right, we're going to sell that property this week. It's effectively impossible um, you know, to sell it within a few days and yeah. get your money out before it drops anymore. Um, hence why it's a long-term hold. And like I was saying before, with gambling, there's a proven release of dopamine in the human brain uh, that drives sort of that next round of betting. And I think for some people, if they're not educated or are not, um, you know, taking the time to learn the share market, that can be a a real risk is that they're in and out, in and out, which is effectively just trading. You're not actually investing. Yeah. Um, I think that's why it's important as well to, they say, you know, you shouldn't be checking your portfolio every day. And mm. that's, like you say, that turns into a trading thing. You It should be a long-term asset that, you know, you're checking every now and then to make sure it's still on track with your goals and aligning with everything there. But it shouldn't be a constant, oh, what are my returns for today? And how can I then change that? Because, yeah, it will turn into like essentially day trading. Yeah. And look at it like this, you know, shares is a roller coaster. Um, there's ups and downs. There can be some big ups. There can be some big downs. Whereas, in my opinion, property is more of like uh, a merry-go-round. <laughs> there's some ups and downs, but it's a lot smoother generally mm. over the long term. Um, property doesn't have the same excitement until you sell. And when you sell, yeah. it's great. You materialize your you know your profit over the long term, but it requires more patience. So I think. They both have their place. Uh, one is a little bit more up and down. One's a lot more smoother. Mm. And when you're talking about um, the dopamine hit that people can get, when it comes to, say, investing in property, do you think that people should be removing emotion from that as well? Yeah, this is a tough one. I've, I've listened to a lot of uh, people talk about removing emotion from investing in property. Mm. And... You know, we all have our reasons for investing in property. Mine is is based around family and, like I said before, having freedoms in the future, but also because I enjoy property and the type of asset it is. And, you know, yours might be that you want to own a private island in 20 years. That's your goal. That's what you want to do. Now, that in itself is an emotional reason for investing. So I think we have these goals and goals are always going to be emotional. But when it comes to actually achieving those goals, I think, yes, you do. You do need to remove a little bit of emotion. We have to be logical. And like I said at the start, quantitative, so on numbers and really analyzing the investment that we're choosing because uh, property, probably more so than shares, it can go wrong if you don't cover all your basis. With shares, if it does start to turn sour, you have that choice to pull those shares out you know, within minutes, basically now on platforms like Hatch and Sharesies, et cetera. Uh, with property, it's a little bit more difficult to pull that, you know, money out or that asset out. It's basically a liquid. So it's, it can be hard, I think, with the emotion thing, because a lot of people will say when you save for a house or you're, you're investing, you're saving in general, anything like that, you want to have a really strong why and a purpose behind why you're doing it and have that emotional reason so that you actually feel motivated to do that thing um, and to achieve it. But then I suppose 
when it comes to actually making those big decisions that we that's where you need to take a step back and think okay are my emotions too involved with this decision and then that's where external help of advisors in various areas can help you yeah I think that's where a financial advisor comes in I'll, I'll be a little bit of an advocate for a financial, <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. financial advisor but um, people it's interesting an interesting dynamic with financial advisors mm. uh, you know a financial advisor might cost you let's say $500 to maybe $1,000 for an initial meeting to go over all your numbers find everything out about you and then from there the advisor will go away and, and, and do some research on some products make some recommendations to you etc and people are quite happy to then invest their money but they're not so happy about paying the $500 to see the financial advisor, mm-hmm. which is really interesting because you're going to pay $500 now to maybe uh, have the result of thousands of dollars later on in life. And so that $500 is actually an investment. That is part of your investment. It's the start of your investing journey to talk to a financial advisor. And, and they have a really good understanding of you know, all types of asset classes, the market, the current state of the economy, business cycles, etc. Um, so that small investment can be a huge gain later on in life. And it's an, it's an interesting dynamic that people aren't prepared to part ways with, you know, that little bit of money at the start. And it's putting that plan in place and yeah. then they will put steps in place to implement that plan. They will help you implement the plan. A lot of financial advisors will check in with you to make sure you're actually doing what you agreed you're going to do with the financial advisor. It's almost, you know, <laughs> it's almost a contract that you have with, you are responsible to that advisor and that advisor is going to make sure that the, you know, the, the route that you're taking is right. Just to clarify, we've already sort of been over this, but if you could put it into a brief summary, how can the share market be used to help someone buy a property? Yeah, so I guess, like we said, most people are already using KiwiSaver or, or have some sort of fund like that. Um, anyone in a balanced uh, growth or aggressive strategy is already going to be weighted towards shares. So mm-hmm. a growth portfolio is going to be about 60 to 70% shares in there. Uh, so they're already investing you know, through the share market, through their KiwiSaver. There'll be a lot of people out there and maybe including some of your own listeners who are saving for a deposit for their first home at the moment. Mm. And the reality at the moment is that money in the bank in a savings account is actually going backwards. So if, if you're putting, let's say, uh, $100 a fortnight into a savings account, you're actually losing money on that because the uh, rate of inflation is greater than the interest rate you're getting at the bank. So most people will be getting about 0.15% at the bank and the inflation rate at the moment is about 1.5% a year. So you, it's actually going going backwards. Um, if you are saving for, say, 5 to 10 years for a deposit, then inflation is just going to erode, erode the actual earnings you're making on that. My personal opinion is that a better option is to look at putting money uh, into the likes of Hatch or Sharesies and choosing an index fund such as the New Zealand Top 50 or New Zealand Mid-Cap Funds, which are investing across you know, dozens of New Zealand companies um, or, or global companies. So you know, 
with Hatch or Shazies, you can do overseas investing in a fund that might cover 500 or even 1,000 companies. Mm. So you're getting a really diversified portfolio and the risk is is lowered. There still is risk. There's always risk always. With, with, <laughs> with anything, uh, but it's lowered by the amount of diversification that they have. And if you're in, invested in that for, say, let's say you have a five-year goal of saving your deposit, you would you would hope to typically see about a 10, 10 to 20% return, depending on you know what's going on in, in the economy as well. You know That's a great way of saving for a deposit. So instead of putting that money in the bank, if you're putting it on a fortnightly basis out of you know, your pay into one of those index funds or a group of index funds, uh, you're going to save a little bit more aggressively for your deposit. And the, there's still risk, but it's sort of medium risk, low to medium risk. What you were saying about how putting your money into a bank account, by doing that, your money is actually decreasing in value because of the rate of inflation at the moment. That's such an important thing to note because I think so many people are scared to invest um, and then they so just choose to put their money in a bank account in, um, instead because it's always been told that it's a secure, safe option, but it's, like you're saying, not actually the most effective option. And so when people start to invest, they build up their education and that confidence. They start seeing these returns and compounding growth over the long term. So why should we then remove our money from shares and put it into property? Like how do we sort of then take our mind off the growth we're seeing there and make it worthwhile in our heads to remove that and put it into property? Mm, Like for me personally, it comes back to that 10 tangible asset so I can if I wanted I can drive past you know the property and see the property I can see the tenants I can um, I can see the bricks and mortar basically Uh, it's just you know there's a lot of experts who sort of advocate for a clear portfolio split so maybe in a growth strategy so if we're 20 to 30 we're most likely going to be in a growth strategy depending on how much risk we can tolerate we're going to want to see growth on our money in the short term we're prepared to sort of accept ups and downs and the a growth strategy would be something like 10 percent property um, 60 percent shares and then the rest would be made up of you know cash gold etc uh, but i i really believe it sort of comes down to the individual so i don't have the risk tolerance uh, to have my portfolio sort of weighted towards shares uh, i'm not a big fan of seeing those big up and down drops I I am more about stability over the long term and so property sort of sits in that right space for me but that's a really individual thing whereas shares for you might sit in your space a little bit better at the moment and then when you're you know as you go through life you might look to transfer some of that to property shares obviously a lot more volatile than property generally so one day they can be up five percent down five percent the next day but um Property is generally more stable and and lower down the risk portfolio. It still has its risks, as you know any investment does. But the fundamentals of property are always there, especially in New Zealand. And I think there's a lot of people at the moment waiting for this so-called bubble to burst. Yeah. We've been saying that for years. I, I don't know if you remember back to uh, when John Key was Prime Minister, 2013, 14. There was a lot of growth, and people were saying it's a bubble. It's going to burst. Um, you know, eight years later, I'm still waiting for that for that bubble to burst. Uh, we might see a slowdown in house price growth, and that would probably be a good thing, down to something more like sort of five, four or five percent. Uh, but this whole this whole bubble thing is, 
I think we're done with bubbles <laughs> in New Zealand. Yeah, we've had a lot. We've had a lot of bubbles over the last twelve a lot months, of bubbles, yeah. and I think people will be waiting a long time if they expect house prices to drop sort of fifteen twenty percent uh, in the short term. Uh, I think you know if you're putting your money across from shares into property, you can have you can have flat periods in the property market where the share market's going up and the property market is sort of flat. And, you know, when I when I say we might see a slowdown, I mean from the 20 plus percent we've seen over the last year to, you know, more stable five or six percent. Um, the, the fundamentals of property are still there though, underlying. So we've got, you know, an increasing population, low interest rates, probably for a, a lot longer we're seeing this year high material costs, so the cost of building. I've got uh, friends that are building houses where the timber cost has gone up twenty to thirty percent. Yeah, that Whoa. is that is going to flow back into the cost of building houses. So I think you know those fundamentals will keep the house, the housing market sort of up and moving. I don't think we're going to see uh, the drop offs that some people are are predicting. Um, just to highlight what you what you'd said earlier there, it's really important to know what you want to achieve and then moving. Having majority shares or having majority property amongst your portfolio is um good for you. And I think it can be hard comparing the two like, because you can check, say, value of shares in your portfolio in the share market every day, but you aren't really doing that with property. It's it's you're not checking it day to day. And so mm. I think it, it can be I don't know if it's necessarily something you can compare, but I think it's really good and positive to know how you can use shares or investing in the share market in conjunction with property. Because some people might hear that and think, yeah, that's really positive. But what if they aren't actually fully motivated to invest in property at all? Is that something that people should be concerned about? No, absolutely not. I think people are going to naturally head to where they're more comfortable as we talked about before, I think it's important to recognise why you don't want to consider property though. So is it because you genuinely don't like the idea or you know, out of fear or um, maybe a lack of confidence or you don't quite understand the, the uh, ins and outs of property investment? Um, you know, Is it because of that or is it because you genuinely just don't like property? You, you don't want to be um, part of the property market and that, that's absolutely fine, but you probably need to understand what side of that fence you sit on because if it's around fear like we talked about before fear is can really hold us back and it can mm. really cost us and you know I think there's a lot of sources of help you know either online books like Rich Dad Poor Dad that's probably the most well known probably book <laughs> yeah um, you know and of course there's there's services such as financial advisors mortgage brokers property investment companies and a lot of these don't actually cost you anything. So there's a lot of property investment companies that, that actually won't charge um, for advising you until the point of purchasing maybe a property. There's mm -hmm. sources like yourself. There's blogs, podcasts, uh, all sorts of things online that people can spend 10 minutes a day listening to. I, I listen to a podcast that's about 10, 15 minutes a day, every day religiously. And every day it's slightly different. Uh, I listen to your podcasts, I listen you know, to webinars, uh, all sorts of things out there. So it doesn't actually take up that much time. Yeah. Uh, you know, something the other day popped up on my phone that said I was 
uh, my screen time on my iPhone had increased <laughs> by 30, 30% to, I won't say to how long per day because it was terrible, but that time, some of that time could be used uh, educating, you know, basically. And it's not hard and it actually ends up being really interesting and, and you know, property for me actually gets me excited to talk to people about it, mm. uh, like yourself or helping family and friends. I've been able to sit down with a lot of people lately and actually help them you know, into that next step of thinking about property or or shares or any type of investing. And I think no matter what it is, I think the point is start doing it. Yeah. You can you can talk about it for a long time, think about it for a long time, but if you don't actually start, then you're actually costing yourself. Mm. And it's probably likely out of fear. And the you know, there's a saying, the only thing to fear is fear itself. Mm. Uh, because fear will cost you. And so I think the main point is don't be worried if you aren't interested in property. Are you interested in shares? Are you interested in putting money in the bank? Well, I don't recommend it at the moment. Putting money in the bank instead of spending it is is obviously still better. Gold, Bitcoin, whatever it is, uh, I think the main point is just start doing. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's a really cool message as well. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for your time today, Toby. It's so appreciated. Um, do you want to let people know where they can find you if they want to reach out or learn more about um, all the content you're putting out there? Yeah, so people can uh, find me mainly on Instagram, so Toby Pesco Property or my blog, tobypescoproperty.co.nz. Uh, as I say, I've been a little bit slack on the blog lately, but uh, the Instagram's taking over. And- Perfect, yeah, and there's still heaps of content on there anyway that people can go and have a look at. So that's awesome. Thank you so much again, Toby. And we will be back for a second episode very soon. Disclaimer time. So the One Up Project is an educational platform providing information that is general in nature and has no intention of being financial advice. There may be opinions or an individual's experience within this resource that should not be considered as recommendations or personal advice. Everyone's financial situation is so different and you must use the information provided within the podcast at your own risk. Please complete your own due diligence before making any financial decisions based on the information within this resource. I'm not a qualified, registered or authorised financial advisor and if you require legal, financial or other expert advice, you should seek assistance from a professional advisor. Thanks guys. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. I really hope you were able to take something valuable away. Um, Be sure to subscribe and keep up with the socials for further episodes at The One Up Project and I'll catch you on the next one.